Today's scripture reading comes from Matthew 6, 19-24. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thank you, Angie. Will you pray with me this morning? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, your challenging word for us. As we continue to look at what it means to love our neighbor as ourself. And God, we pray that your spirit would move in this place. That we would hear the word you've called each of us to respond to. And God, may we trust you with all that we have. Seek your spirit at work in our lives. And God, we thank you for for all of this. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Well, we continue in our last week, we launched a new series that we're continuing in this morning. Love your love your neighbor as your selfie. Isn't that a creative title? You know, we're looking at this imagery of what it means to love your neighbor as yourself. And we're looking at uh, the selfies that we take. At least we focused on those last week. And, you know, we talked about how selfies aren't all bad. I mean, they're really actually helpful. They can be a sign of empowerment. They can be helpful in the sense that we don't have to have people around taking pictures for us. We can just do that, post it, share it. And we talked that, you know, probably the, the biggest danger of them, obviously, is that we can focus in on ourselves too much. But even more than that, not only in selfies, but in life, it's kind of this metaphor for life that we can be tempted to project this perfect image of ourselves, whether it's family or work or wherever we might find ourselves. And, and so we talked about the need to know and trust in God's love. And as we talked about that, I challenged all of you uh, who are here to go out this week and to take a selfie where God has planted you, most likely in our community in Stafford, to take that selfie, post it online. And when you take that selfie or when you took it, uh, you were challenged not to worry about your hair, not to worry if you had the right selfie clothes on or uh, how you looked, uh, and that you didn't try like Melissa, my wife, and I try to do sometimes, but take 40 or 50 to get the right one, but you just took it as you took it. And so I did see some blurry selfies uh, this week, but then, then you would post it uh, with the hashtag Stafford Selfie. And so here are some of the ones we found this week. Now, I want to be clear, we did not have just six. We had a whole bunch. Um, but we had people post selfies uh, of their dog licking their face. Robin did that. In fact, uh, I, but I, I want to give special kind of attention. You'll see in the bottom right, Tina DeBosier. She's the director of missions and outreach here. So if you ever want to be a part of that, she's a great person to see. But the reason I want to just point her out this morning, because she gets extra credit in the Stafford selfie she has the word Stafford in it. Great job, Tina. Well done. 
I also want to show you another one. Uh, another good selfie is of our band, our praise band. They took this. And the reason I want to point that out is because every time you look at Alan Paquette, our praise band leader, I want you to realize he has really long arms to be able to take such a good selfie. Do you know, it was, it was fun to be able to challenge everybody to do that and to take those selfies. But can we just admit, take, if you, uh, taking selfies of ourselves can be kind of uncomfortable. I'll be honest, I know that I was preaching on it last week, but I'm not really the biggest fan of taking selfies of myself. It's, it's too up close, isn't it? And then whenever you are taking those photos, it's hard to focus on behind you. And so I, I'm thankful that on our phones, we have this little button and you can see that. Now, this is my phone. I have an iPhone. And then on the bottom right, you see that button. It's called the photo flip. Right? It takes the, the focus, because we have two cameras on our phones, it takes the focus off ourselves and you can just push a button and then all of a sudden you're out there and your focus, the attention is no longer on yourself you, and you can take these pictures from far away and they're, they're quite, uh, it's, qu- it's quite fun to be able to do because I, I will tell you that if the attention is on ourselves for too long, it can be a little bit uncomfortable. So it's nice to just put it on somebody else for a while. But you know, uh, I don't know if I've ever told you this. My wife, Melissa, and I, we actually met at a wedding. This is the first, one of the first documented proofs, right, of, uh, of our meeting. So we met at a wedding. We actually met at the rehearsal. Uh, she was a bridesmaid. I was a groomsman. So we actually walked each other down the aisle at Duke Chapel. It's, oh, gosh, I love telling that story. So we, so we walked each other down the aisle and, uh, what was great is we kicked it off. This was actually at the reception following the wedding. So this was the day after we met. Now what's interesting about that wedding is, uh, my friend McKinnon, whose wedding I was in, he decided that all the groomsmen would also be ushers. So we were waiting that day and we were walking people, escorting them to the aisle. And I guess I was feeling extra friendly. And so, uh, there was this, uh, lady and her husband that I ended up escorting to their seat. Well, it turns out that uh, that's now my mother-in-law that I walked. Uh, and we were just chatting it up the whole way down, just talking. And so what's funny about this, the reason I tell you all of this is we were at a table. I had no clue who they were. And I just saw Melissa and I wanted to just get to know her. I wanted to talk to her a little bit. Uh, actually, it was Dwight and Shelley, Melissa's parents, who took this photo. They were sitting right behind us, and I didn't care. You know, this is just somebody I talked to earlier. And we cherish this photo so much because, and, and I'll tell you why. It's because Dwight and Shelley in that moment, they were so focused on our story. They were so focused on being connected to the connection that was forming. And it's, it's kind of a cool moment because we realized that was a really great gift that they've given us. We love this photo. Do you know, I, I thought about it in the context of the sermon series. Could you imagine if, now this would be hilarious, but could you imagine if Dwight and Shelley had turned around and taken a selfie and then got us in the background and like that was the photo? No, like that would be, that would be a great photo, but it wouldn't be as meaningful as it is because they hit that photo flip button. They were able to take that picture of us. And, and legend has it that in that moment, Shelley turns to Dwight and she whispers, he's the one. Right. So she she knew it's my charms and good looks. There's something about taking the focus off of ourselves and really seeing others where they are. Where their story is 
investing in that moment. And, and it adds meaning to our lives and it adds meaning to their lives. Pictures tell a story. Would you agree? You know, there's this uh, Facebook page, website, this photography project called Humans of New York, if you've ever seen it. It's actually quite fantastic. What It started in 2010. This photographer, as a photography project, wanted to go out in New York City and take 10,000 photos in a year. And so he wanted to take 10,000 photos of New Yorkers. And so what he did, and, and now it's kind of grown into this really big, huge movement. It's very popular. And so what he's done now is he'll go up and with people's permission, he'll take a picture of them and then just get to know them just a little bit. Just say, hey, I want to give you four to six sentences and I'm going to share your story. And so he does this, and and this is a good one. Uh, This guy took this picture, and he said, we let our kid, our four-year-old child, name our dog. So this is broccoli. (laughs) So so that's one. You know, my personal favorite are these two ladies sitting on this bench, if we can get that photo. I mean, here's the thing. I think they're up to no good. And here's what they wrote. We don't have hobbies, but we do try to get together a few times a month, you know, to judge people and complain about things. <laughs> Who needs a hobby? When you, wouldn't you just love to sit on the bench just for a little bit? I mean, kind of guilty pleasure. Just hear what they have to say. It would be fantastic. And so you can find on Humans of New York some of these moments when people are just being real, they're being vulnerable, they're being a little bit cheeky, but... Uh, there's also a whole lot of work done um, to really kind of reflect uh, and ask a more personal side of the story. And, and it's amazing to me when you ask somebody their story and they know what's going on Facebook, right, how much they're willing to share. And so there's uh, stories like this one. So this guy writes <clears throat> or shares, not long ago, it looked like I was about to get everything. I was one of the first employees at a company that sold for a billion dollars. So I started a new company and everything seemed to be going perfectly, but suddenly everything came apart. This has been the toughest year of my adult life. I went bankrupt. My company failed and a person I loved died. Now, I didn't commit suicide, though I considered it, but my ideas of myself have definitely died. I thought I was better than everyone. I saw my success as the culmination of all of my positive merits. Losing everything forced me to realize how much of my good fortune was due to things that had been given to me. Now, here's my guess. If you were to see this guy on the side of the road or walking by in the street, you wouldn't know all that. And what's amazing to me is that the stories that we all carry with us when we just take the time to flip the focus... And to look outward and and really to ask those questions of what people are willing to share. And you know what's funny? is I've experienced this, and I'm sure you have too, but when you're invited to share some of those moments, even with a complete stranger, and you feel like you can trust that, it's kind of this weight that's lifted off of you. And you feel like you've all of a sudden connected with another human being in a way that, man, just feels like you haven't in a while. So Humans of New York, their Facebook page has almost 18 million followers. Can you believe that? 18 million people want to keep up with these stories. So what makes this so unique? Here's what I think. I think that this is so intriguing because we all have a story to tell, 
But it can feel like nobody is listening. Can I get an amen on that? It feels like nobody's listening. And, and can I ask you, have you ever been in that moment when somebody has come up to you and maybe they just saw a look on your face, maybe they just had a sense about things, but they came and they asked you, hey, how are you doing? And you answered, and instead of just the formal greeting, they, they begin to ask more questions. And you're like, stop asking me so many questions. But by the end of it, they were so focused on you and not themselves, they weren't worried about connecting what you've said to what they're thinking or how they want to prove some point out of what your story leads or how they want to give you this great big advice. But they just sat there and they saw you and they listened. Have you ever had that experience? Have you ever experienced it for yourself? Have you ever felt maybe an inkling that, man, I need to walk next door and I need to go give my neighbor some cookies? I don't know why, but I'm going to go do it. And then you ask them, Uh, how they're doing and you sit there and you listen and you sit with them and you see them and you're willing to know more about them because here's the thing i know that we all have a story to tell and it can feel like nobody's listening but when we listen to others and when others kind of listen to us something can change in us and and i know that as i bring up that kind of idea that imagery that i'm sure that many of you can remember a moment like that Those moments stick with us and they change us and they change the people around us. But here's the thing. You can only do that if you take the attention off of yourself. If you push that photo flip button. Now, let me ask you a question. If you had a phone, which I'm sure most of you, if not all of you do, and all you could ever do was take pictures like this, would you find satisfaction in that? Would you find satisfaction? Would you say, man, this is the best phone I've ever had because all I can ever do is see myself in it? No! You would, if your photo flip button didn't work, you would say, man, this thing is broken. I'm taking it back. Give me an iPhone 7, right? Or whatever phone you like. But we need to be able to shift the focus off ourselves. It's a normal, it's a natural thing. It's a, it's a healthy thing that we need to do. And here's the thing. Jesus Christ understood Modern technology, way back 2,000 years ago. He understood the photo flip button long before we ever did. So if you have your Bibles with you, I want to invite you to turn to Matthew chapter 6. And we're going to focus on verses 22 and 23 for a moment. And what Jesus says about doing the photo flip. And so hear these words. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Now, here's the thing about this scripture. Uh, As it begins, it talks about storing up treasures in heaven instead of treasures on earth where moth and rust can destroy. And then after those two verses, it talks a little bit about uh, not serving two masters, right? Nobody can serve both God and money. You'll hate the one or love the one and despise the other. And so Jesus is talking about in this context of how we spend our time and our money, and, and Pastor Mark Miller has said this before, you can judge or make an assessment of whether you're inwardly focused or outwardly focused, right? Based on your priorities, which is based on your calendar and your checkbook, right? You can look back through, and that's a very practical thing that we can look back and, and that's how we assess that. But here's the, the I don't want to focus on that today. I think that that's a helpful thing to remember in the context of what Jesus is talking about. But I think Jesus is pointing to a bigger thing. 
that we need to be able to turn the attention from ourselves and we need to focus it outwardly. Have you ever thought about the eye and how amazing it is that that we receive light and how light impacts our vision? And when we're in a dark room and we can't see things very well, uh, that all of a sudden the colors aren't as bright. And, and we always, I know that uh, I'm always turning up the brightness on my screens. I'm going to be able to see that. And light makes an impact with our eyes. And so uh, Jesus is saying that, you know, we need to have an outwardly focus so we can be healthy. But there's this other aspect of the light that he's talking about because we need to shift our focus, not just for us, but for the world. And when our focus is right, right, it's not only good for us, it's good for others. So in our modern day context, it's really hard for us to think of life without electricity. Would you agree? It's really hard for me to think about that because every time I walk into a room, I can flip a switch and all of a sudden the lights are on me, right? That's how we kind of consider lights. Even right now where I'm standing, uh, these lights are on me. We have all these, man, I should not look up there. We have all these super bright lights, but can I tell you, and I've seen this before, if one of these super strong lights is out, it's like all of a sudden there's a dead spot on stage. And so that's how we kind of understand light. But Jesus... In his context, you didn't have electricity, you had a lamp. So instead of, I don't even know how many lumens we have in our light bulbs today, and I'm not going to attempt to pick up this candle, so don't worry. But with this one lumen, you would have a lamp, and as you entered a dark room, you would be the light bringer. You would carry that lamp into the darkness. And if you shared it, right, if you were willing to bring that lamp into the room then the the room would light up because the world was filled with darkness. And, And if you didn't, if you didn't share the light, then people would be without that. And so Jesus is reminding us, he's compelling us. He says, you can bring the light. But it, def- it depends on your focus. It depends on your health. Do you have the light? Can you reflect it? And so a light that isn't shared, in other words, a light that isn't outwardly pointed, is in darkness. And so Jesus reminds us that we are the lamp. Jesus is saying that you have the same ability in the world that you live in. That we're all planted somewhere. And I talked about this last week with the selfie. God has planted us all somewhere. And we need to trust and love God and in such a way. Because when we talk about loving our neighbor as ourself, we need to remember that we're a part of that equation. And that we need to love God as in the way that God loves us. And then we need to be able to do that so that we can be healthy, that we can live into who we're called to be. Because we're planted somewhere, we need to reflect that light in the world. So Jesus, I think, is identifying that you can either be a light bringer or you can be a light taker. And so there's this story about a woman, and uh, it's a couple really, but this uh, lady one day decides that her husband's birthday is coming up in a couple days and so they are both, they have these super long commutes. They don't ever eat breakfast together. They just get up and go. I think all of y'all can relate to that pretty well. And so she wakes up. Uh, it's two days up from her birthday and she, uh, his birthday. And she decides, I'm going to make him breakfast for his birthday. But I have no clue what kind of eggs he likes. We don't eat breakfast together. So I'm an experiment. And so she uh, fries up a, or scrambles up an egg and serves it to him. And he looks at it and he looks down and he goes, hmm. I wish it was a boiled egg. I'd have preferred that. And so she goes, great. You know, now I know. So the next day, still a day out from the birthday, she boils an egg, gives it to him. He looks down at it and he says, hmm, I'd have preferred a scrambled egg. Well, she's like, great. 
no worries, I've got this figured out. I'm going to cook two eggs, and this is his birthday. She makes one scrambled and one boiled. She gives them both to him, and she's ready. There's no way he could turn this down. He looks down at it, he goes, hmm, I think you boiled the wrong egg. <laughs> Thank you for that. But tell me you know somebody like this. Come on. Tell me that you know somebody who walks in and it's like that lamp that's out just sucks the life out of the room because they are light takers. They're filled with darkness. And can I tell you, I've been like that before. And we've all been like that before in certain times and situations where we just suck the light out of the room. And it's terrible to feel like that, right? You don't feel good acting like that. It's not a healthy way to be. Either you're a light bringer or you're a light taker. And we're, we're called not to act like that. Because here's why it's important for us in the context of loving your neighbor as yourself. And when we think about ourselves in this way, it's not healthy because you can have it all. And if the lamp inside isn't right, it'll never be enough. Your eyes, if your eyes are not healthy. And so when you can't see what God has done for you, it just doesn't matter. But Jesus says, if we can just turn it around and if we can focus on somebody else, that's where the health is. It's a struggle to get our eyes from here to there. Would you agree? I mean, that's the hard part is pressing that photo flip button. And so we miss so many opportunities to do good and to be good because when we push that photo flip and, and when I talk about taking a picture or that imagery, you know, really, I, I get kind of nervous taking pictures of other people. I don't I want to do it the right way. But then I was thinking about the pictures that I love, that I just kind of take secretly, sometimes of Melissa and Liam or of my family or of my friends, and I'll just kind of, it's for me and only me, and that's an opportunity for me to just cherish that and invest in that moment. And that's the sort of opportunity we have to kind of pour into others, to kind of connect with others where they are and to keep that in such a way that we reflect the light of God in our lives. And so what I mean to say is what Jesus is talking about is fundamentally how we interact with each other. Right? That's what all this is about. How we how we connect with God and how we connect with others. So what does that look like? How do we do that? So we don't just need to keep our, our lamps healthy, right? We need to share it. I think Jesus in Matthew chapter six, uh, 5, verse 16, puts this rather well. And in fact, in Matthew 5, 15, he says, you're the light of the world, or he says, you're light bearers. And so you should. I encourage you to go back and read that. Uh, but I love the way the message version uh, puts Matthew 5.16. Would you read this with me? Now that I've put you there on a hilltop, on a light stand, shine. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. You know, what's great about that is God reminds us that he does indeed plant us places, that we are called to reflect the light no matter where we might find ourselves. And what I love about this version is it tells us how to do that, right? Keep an open house. Be generous with your lives. And this is the piece where it talks about connecting with others in our relationships. By opening up to others, by opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God. See, as we share the light, people are encouraged and filled with that light and they want to know more and they might connect in that way. So in their book, Next Door As It Is in Heaven, authors Lance Ford and uh, Brad Briscoe, they discuss the profound loneliness 
that people are regularly experiencing in our world. In fact, they talk about the isolation that we all have. You know what amazes me is that we live in a world where we are more connected than we've ever been, and yet we feel more alone than we ever have. Would you agree with that? And and so they talk about this kind of strange phenomenon that's that's happening. And what they do is they look at the spiritual uh, aloofness, or I'm sorry, relational aloofness that we have, uh, because even today we will pass people. And I watch. I used to watch this on college campuses all the time, but now I've seen it uh, beyond that. We'll just look at our phones so much and we are trying to avoid people, I feel like, at all costs. I can't tell you how many waiting rooms I've been in and people, now we're all germaphobes so we won't touch the magazines, right? So we don't have that cover, but we've got our phones. I once saw a guy looking at a blank screen just so he wouldn't have to talk to me. But we will do this because we're so afraid of the risky business of connecting with people and we have no clue what to, de- what to say because... Well, we haven't posted it on Facebook yet, right? We haven't thought about what to say. We don't want to come out strange. And so we have come to a place where we no longer offer simple greetings. We just kind of avoid each other at all costs is what it feels like. And so they talk about this and uh, they draw on this this author, Peter Singe, uh, who noticed among the tribes in uh, northern Natal in South Africa, they have this greeting, right? And the English... Uh, the English kind of equivalent to hello in their expression is sawubona. And it literally means, I see you. And if you are a member of the tribe, you might reply by sikona, which means, I am here. I see you. I'm here. And the order of the exchange is important because until you see me, I don't exist. It's as if when you see me, you bring me into existence. And can I tell you, we live in a world where a whole lot of people, we feel like we don't exist. People don't see us and that we're just trying our best to to get on with our own lives. And so we feel so isolated, so confined. But when somebody would, if only somebody would see us, we could feel like our life might have more value, might have more meaning. And they write, a, tr- a deep truth resides in this cultural practice. Ford and Briscoe observed that when merely, when we merely move throughout our days without seeing people as people, then as far as it matters to us in that moment, they don't really exist. And, and friends, we live our lives in that way a whole lot. I mean, that's why we have road rage, right? That's why we uh, get in places and we want people to just move out of the way because we no longer see them as people. They're just objects in our path to get from point A to point B. But God calls us to a higher calling. And we're built to be connected in a different way. We're not meant to live like this. And they write, But being conscious of how we approach people, we encounter through the normal routines of our day that that is a step toward bringing heaven here on our patch of earth. And so here's here's what I know. Can loving my neighbor as myself really be as simple as seeing the people around me? The answer is no. I mean, the reality is, it's a place to start. Right? Because the reality is, is we are so focused, we have so much going on, that if we would just but look up, it would be a place to start, to shift our focus, to hit that photo flip button. It's about the change in posture. Right? It's about going from here to here. Turning the attention off of ourself. Now, let me be clear. This is not a license to meddle in the lives of other people. Okay? So knock it off. 
and we need to keep good boundaries. I can't tell you how many people that I've counseled through who have gone and they have just taken in people like they do, uh, you know, lost puppies. And so we need to be able to have boundaries in the way that we interact with people. We need to know ourselves well enough to know what our own limitations are and to be able to refer people at times. And we also need to not meddle or judge. And can I tell you, it's a better, it's better to do more listening than advice giving. But we need to start somewhere. We don't have to go far. We just need to be generous with our lives. We need to open up our homes and we need to be ready to see people where they are and ready to listen. And it's amazing how quickly you can impact the life when you see somebody around you. And so we have this kind of decision to make because here's the reality. When you think about Jesus's context and how the world was without electricity and it was all in darkness and they were the light bearers, friends, we may have all the electricity in the world, but spiritually we're in a dark place right now. And people are hungry for the light. And so we have a choice. We can either be light bearers, light bringers, or we can be light takers. So we need to know and trust in God's love enough and be filled with that so that we can go out and share that love with all the people that we encounter. And by opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up to God, our generous Father in heaven. And so I just want to ask you what it might look like in your family if instead of being on your phone or watching TV or wherever you might find yourself kind of self-focused, if you looked up and just started asking some questions. And instead of trying to give advice or to try to connect to what you're thinking, that you just listened and asked more questions. What would that look like in our neighborhood? Because you know we have front porches, but we don't use them anymore because it's so hot outside or it's too cold or we always have an excuse. What would it look like if we went over to our neighbor's house and we just spent some time with them and we asked some questions? We got to know them. How might our community and our world might be different if God's people decided, hey, it's really important that we bear the light in this world and that we know God well enough that we want to go out and we want to know people. And that as we get to know people, they are seen and they feel like they exist and they know that God sees them existing and is with them. How might our world, our lives, our families be changed if we just hit that photo flip button and we turned our focus from inward to outward? Friends, that's the call. That's the opportunity we have as Christians.